Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of Unbalanced with me, Karis Davidge. You guys have no idea how long I've been wanting to start this podcast. It's been in the works for so, so long. The last few months have been absolutely crazy, but I feel like it's gotten to a point now where I just need to embrace the busyness in my life and try and do this podcast alongside it. So I really hope you guys will join me along for the ride. I have some really exciting and interesting people to interview. I have some amazing stories to share and I just can't wait to see where this podcast goes. So I thought I'd start off this podcast by introducing myself a little bit because I feel like it's always best to listen to a podcast when you kind of feel like you know the host a bit more. I personally like that when I listen to podcasts. I love listening to little random life updates and I'm an oversharer. I like to talk about anything and everything in my life. So what better than to use that as a way to introduce myself? So I am currently 21 years old. Actually, my birthday's in a couple weeks, so I'm technically 22. I live in Cardiff. I've been in Cardiff my whole life. I was born here, I went to school here. I went off to university in Aberystwyth University for three years, and I graduated last July in 2022. And for a year, I've just been back in Cardiff, working full-time with a Welsh TV production company. I absolutely love my job. I was really, really fortunate to get it. I do half and half work from home and working in the office. I love the flexibility of being able to work remotely and being able to socialise with other people. I'm a very sociable person, so being able to go into the office and be with other colleagues is really important to me because I just need to be around people. Anyway, I thought I could talk a little bit about my disability and how it affects me daily because I feel like this would be a good way to kind of lay the groundwork for the rest of the episodes that I'll have coming up because even though maybe I'll be discussing certain topics or interviewing other people, I will be bringing up my own experiences with my disability. So I feel like if I start off by just talking about it a bit and kind of laying the groundwork that'll stay relevant then for the rest of my podcast and just give you guys some context. I am one of three sisters, I'm the oldest of three, so you can imagine when we're all together the chaos can get a bit too much sometimes. (laughs) What a lot of people don't know is that my two younger sisters also have muscular dystrophy as well as me, but it kind of affects us in different ways. It is actually really rare just for me to have it, let alone both of my sisters as well. It's a very rare condition. There's lots of different types. So I've got limb good or muscular dystrophy 2i and both of my sisters do as well. But there are lots of different types of limb good or muscular dystrophy. For example, 2d, 2a. And essentially what that means is the gene. So it's just how it affects you genetically. The symptoms in between all these different types of limb girdle muscular dystrophy are quite different and they do vary a lot but I'm obviously just going to be talking from the perspective of someone with 2i. I actually have a funny story. So I had an accident when I was younger where I had jammed my finger in something and they rushed me to A&E and they asked me if I had any conditions and I said I have limb girdle muscular dystrophy type 2i the number 2 and the letter i and they must not have clocked onto that because the poor nurse who'd never heard of this condition before because who would have had written down 2i as in to my eye so they must have been so confused 
that I gave them this very pointless piece of information about my eyes <laughs> when I was going in for something to do with my fingers. <laughs> anyway, now I'm going to be outlining my timeline with muscular dystrophy. I think that's quite an important thing to do when I introduce this condition because it's a degenerative condition which means that it will get worse over time and that's something I've had to get to grips with through the years is the fact that my condition has worsened over the years and will continue to worsen. So when I was about 11 or 12, so towards the end of primary school, I was always the slowest in the class. In sports days, I was always the slowest and always finished the races last. I just wasn't very good at it. I enjoyed sports, but it got to the point where I was never strong enough and I was never fast enough for sports to be fun for me. That, I think, was the first symptom, but at that point, I didn't know that I had it. So then when I went into high school, I was 12 years old. I went in with the mindset that I just wasn't going to be doing much sports because I wasn't going to get picked for anything. I was too slow. I was also very small, so that didn't help. So I think that kind of lay the groundwork when I went into high school that I wasn't going to participate in many sports things. I did try hockey for a term but I think I just found that too fatiguing to carry that on and I was just never really good at it. So that was obvious from the get-go. Sports just wasn't for me. And then I think it must have been when I was about 15, maybe 14 or 15, I started to struggle with stairs. I think I would just be a bit slow and my friend was very supportive through school. She would kind of help me up the stairs. And at this point I knew that I had the condition. So my parents had told me about it when I was about 13. So I think I was able to look out for symptoms a bit more. And I think at that point, about 14 or 15, if I didn't know about the condition at that point, I would have definitely started to question that there must have been something wrong because I was struggling with the stairs and no one else was. So I definitely found that walking to and from school and walking in between the classes up and down stairs a lot was definitely taking a lot out of me. I think stairs and hills were the main problems. I was really starting to struggle walking up stairs and hills. And then I think it must have been around 15 or 16. I'm literally going off the top of my head, by the way. I'm sorry. I don't have, I don't have like a specific timeline. I didn't write these down at the time, but I've had to go through my timeline with a lot of different doctors and physiotherapists in the past. So I'm pretty good at being able to tell around when these symptoms started. So bear with me here. So I think I was about 15 or 16 when I started falling and I call this a weak leg so essentially what it was was I would just be walking not necessarily at a fast pace just casual walking and one of my knees would just randomly give way and I would just collapse to the floor and I didn't really have any kind of intuition about it I would never know when it was going to happen it just happened this actually occurred quite a lot in my later teen years. I was very used to the fact that I may fall at any given moment. I was very used to having holes in my trousers and having to sew up holes over and over again, especially in my school trousers. I think I was quite scared of wearing skirts or anything with an open knee because I've had a lot of accidents where I've grazed my knee or quite badly bruised my knee. So you can imagine 
when I fall and I already have a bruise or a cut there, it's not pretty and it's not very pleasant. So yeah, that's definitely something I had to adjust to the thought of and I sometimes would be alone so that there'd be no one around to help me get up and sometimes I'd be with friends who may not have known about the condition so I then at the spot would have to quickly explain the gist of the fact that I had muscular dystrophy. I think when I was in school I hadn't really been very vocal about my condition because it wasn't very obvious and to the untrained eye no one would have been able to tell that I had it but when things like this happen if I struggle with hills or stairs or if I randomly fell over people would obviously then start to question things. So as I transitioned from high school to uni, at that point I had a lot more symptoms. So I would really struggle getting up from the floor. I know that that's a struggle for a lot of people anyway, but I really at that point just struggled even getting up from one knee or using all of my limbs to get up. So that was very much a struggle. Getting up from seats was also a problem. I would have to use my arms a lot and I think in that period of time I really started to notice that my legs were the limbs that were getting the weakest. I was really struggling with walking long distances, walking up hills, walking upstairs was becoming more and more of a barrier in my life I think. I would have to use banisters to walk upstairs or I wouldn't be able to walk up the stairs. I think more and more my right knee started turning inwards when I walked so as I got older the condition started to become a bit more obvious to anyone around me. So then when I went into uni, I had to apply for accommodation which had no stairs so that I could try and avoid steps at all costs. The only thing is, I went to Aberystwyth University and if anyone has been there, you would know that the university is based right on top of a hill and it's a very steep, very long hill. I think I've climbed it a total of two or three times and that has been with great struggle and an immense amount of help from friends. So that has obviously been a struggle, but I was able to use taxis or lifts from friends, which is obviously great. But I think being in uni really challenged me physically. I am definitely the type of person who likes a good night out, so that was a struggle as well. I will do a full episode on what it's like going out clubbing or going on a night out in general with a disability, but doing that repetitively or every weekend or whatever it was, just going out and socialising was very difficult for me as I got through university because... It was just a lot for me physically, especially after doing such a physical course as well. I did drama and theatre studies and half of those modules were workshops. So they were very physical. To be fair to the university, they were very understanding of my condition and they were able to tailor some of the activities and some of the things that I had to do in my course to my condition, which was great. And I think at that point, I realised that I have to be more vocal about my condition now. It's getting to the point where it's affecting me. I can't climb up on top of things. I can't stand around for a long time. I need to just reach out and ask for help. And that did take a while because I wasn't vocal about my condition in high school because I didn't think that it affected me that much to the point where I'd need to remind someone of my condition. But 
in that time where I got into uni I realised that this is different now I'm struggling with a lot more things and people wouldn't know that unless I pointed my condition out to them so that's definitely something that I've had to adjust my brain to and be a bit more open to it definitely took me a while to be confident obviously now I'm very vocal about it but in university it was definitely a very big transition period in my life where I just had to speak out more I had to let all my uni friends know about my condition so that they could be more considerate of what I could and couldn't do you know and I would have to ask for help for someone to give me a lift somewhere or I would ask my lecturers if I was able to sit down you know during a workshop or whatever it was so I think that was a major turning point for me in university. I also had a great time in university, so I'm not saying that it stopped me. It was just something that kind of changed within me that I knew I had to be more vocal about it. So then coming home from university, I graduated last year. I was in touch with my home and school friends a lot more and during uni as well, but obviously I just didn't see them as much. But they only knew me from high school, really. They hadn't really seen me during uni when I was beginning to struggle a lot more as I was getting older so that was quite interesting to have to explain my condition to them that they'd kind of knew about but only seen it affect me a few times like if I fell over or something but now seeing me as a bit older and more affected version of me with my condition the same goes with family as well actually family that I hadn't seen for a long time I had to kind of reintroduce my condition to them and just say this is how the condition affects me now this is what I can and can't do I know that I used to be able to do this I know that I used to be able to climb stairs but now I really really struggle with it so now at this very point in my life I have definitely worsened since university but I think I'm in a good place to be able to handle it now. So for example, walking up the stairs, I try and avoid this at all costs. Obviously it's inevitable at some points, but in order to climb up the stairs, I need both my hands, both my arms on a rail or a wall or whatever it is around me, a friend, my boyfriend, to be able to help me to get up the stairs. So I can't just walk up the stairs with my legs. They are physically too weak to do that. I also can't run anymore and this was quite a struggle for me because I used to like running on the treadmill in the gym and just going at my own pace and taking my time but I can't do that anymore. I discovered that through trying to run and then having a weak leg and falling so that wasn't fun at all and that kind of indicated to me right it's time to give up running. It's too dangerous and obviously I don't want to risk me falling again so I just like to go for walks and kind of take my own time. It's definitely something I've needed to adjust to in life as well. Not being able to run means I can't run for the train if I'm late. I can't run up to someone that I haven't seen in a long time and stuff like that. You know what I mean? I can't run if I'm late and I can't run for fun. So that's something I've had to adjust to, but I'm kind of in a good place with it now. I haven't run actually for a long time, so that's okay. And I'm kind of at peace with that because otherwise I would just stress myself out. If I knew that I was going to be late for something and I couldn't run and get all stressed out about it, that wouldn't help anyone. So I'm really trying to stay in the mindset that it is what it is. If I'm late for something, I'm going to be late. It's fine. I will probably do another episode on being at peace with my disability because there's a lot of things that I could cover but for now that's just kind of the main thing that I've had to adjust to. 
There's also been lots of little things, for example, getting dressed, I think I'm really struggling with now, losing my balance a lot. I haven't fallen as much as I used to while I was in school, but it still happens. Now I'm at a point where when I go for a walk anywhere, whenever I walk, I need to kind of focus on it mentally. So if you see me walking out and about, half my brain is focused on just walking. I need to concentrate on that because otherwise if I let my mind wander, my leg might give way. And don't get me wrong, my leg still gives way even if I concentrate on walking. But I think for me, it's really helped me control myself a bit more if I'm focusing and putting my mind to the fact that I'm walking and to try and stay strong. And it can be quite mentally fatiguing as well, but I think that it has helped me day to day when I go on walks. I really struggle getting up from the floor and the awkward thing is when I do fall in front of people they offer their hand to help me get up but when I fall and try and get up again the only way I'm able to get up is by pushing myself up from the floor with my hands or if there's anything around me that I can kind of use to push myself up from that's the only way I can get up myself. So if anyone offers me a hand, I'm not strong enough to pull on their hands and for my leg muscles to push me up. So as much as someone offering a hand to help me up is very kind of them, it's actually still not possible for me to get up from the floor doing that. So if I ever fall in front of you, you just gotta let me do my thing. Unless you're strong enough to be able to pick me up from my armpits all the way up to standing, that would be ideal. So my boyfriend does that, my dad does that, my friends do that sometimes. So yeah, that is very useful. If someone can pick me up straight to standing, that is the ideal situation because in that case, I don't need to use my muscles to get up from the floor. But if there's no one around, that's how I would get up from the floor. So kind of go on all fours, downward dog, and then use my hands to kind of climb up my body up to standing. Another thing that I really struggle with currently and I know will worsen over time and I'm kind of prepared for that is bending down to pick something up from the floor or for squats or whatever it is. Actually, hang on. I don't know why I said that because I literally can't do squats at all. (laughs) I guess that's because by the time I reach a certain point, my legs will just give way and get too weak and I'll just fall. So squats is out of the question, but bending down to pick something up or bending down for any reason is really difficult because coming back up is what I struggle with. So limb girdle muscular dystrophy affects my limb girdles, which is essentially the joints in a way. So my shoulders, my hips, my knees, these muscles are primarily affected by my condition and then it kind of spreads to the rest of the muscles I suppose. So all of my muscles are affected but mainly the limb girdles, the joints of the muscles I guess. I'm obviously not a professional, I'm not a medical person but that's the best way to describe it informally to someone who's trying to understand the condition a bit better. So that's the description that we're going with. So my hips are especially weak and obviously bending down and coming back up again is something that you really need strong hips for. So if I drop something, I drop my car keys all the time. It's the most frustrating thing because it's usually in front of someone and I have to bend down and pick it up and very slowly come back up again and someone's probably thinking, gosh, she's got dodgy knees, she's got dodgy hips, hasn't she? (laughs) But yeah, it is frustrating to have to pick something up, but I do have a grabber now. You know, you can get them on Amazon. 
The only other time I've seen them is when I see people use them for litter picking, you know, like on the street or something. So it's essentially one of those. It's I've literally got a litter picker to pick up my things. But the only thing is I obviously need that around with me if I need to pick something up and I keep it in my room. So if I drop anything outside of my room, it's on me. I have to go down and pick it up and come back up again. So that's, again, something I've been struggling with, but I've had to adjust to and kind of just accept in my life. I used to love going on walks, but now I do struggle with walking for a long period of time. So going on big days out, for example, it would be a write-off for me. So I've had to use a wheelchair. I think I first used a wheelchair when I went to Disney World in Florida in 2017. And obviously that's a lot of walking. If you guys have been or if you've heard of how the map works out in Disney World, it's all just a lot of walking. You get a lot of steps in when you go to Disney World. So I think we were at Epcot and we were going around all the different countries and I was having a blast but I was getting so tired and my muscles were really beginning to hurt, especially my legs. So I remember my mum asking if I wanted to rent a wheelchair to sit in. I I thought, I couldn't stand the thought of that. I don't want to sit in a wheelchair. I don't want to look disabled. I don't want to do that. But I knew in my heart that I had to use it because there was no other way I was going to survive the rest of the day and the rest of this trip. So my mum went and got a wheelchair and I remember sitting down on it and just feeling weight lifting off my shoulders, but also feeling really embarrassed and guilty that I was sat in a wheelchair. I was like, only old people sit in wheelchairs. What what am I doing? Like now people know, now people are going to feel sorry for me. Don't get me wrong, I love attention, but not in this way. (laughs) I did not want people staring at me. And you know, like, you know when you see people in wheelchairs, you don't want to be disrespectful to them. So you don't want to kind of ignore them and ignore that they're there, but you don't want to stare. So you kind of look at them and then you kind of look away. But it's like, they're just normal human beings. I don't know why we do this as a society. And even though I'm a wheelchair user, I still do this because it's like, I acknowledge that you're disabled or I acknowledge that you're in a wheelchair, but don't see you any less of a human being than anyone else. So you can imagine being in the wheelchair and already being a person who kind of acknowledges someone in a wheelchair but doesn't want to be disrespectful by staring or wondering what condition they have, do they have something similar to me or whatever. You can imagine me sitting in that chair thinking people are going to think that I can't walk, people are going to think that I'm like really disabled and I'm not. I just like, I just have weak legs, I just have painful legs sometimes, that's it. So I think I was very much in denial when I first started using a wheelchair. I was very adamant that this wasn't going to define me. This wasn't going to take over my life. But I think it definitely got to a point during that trip where I I caved and I knew I had to just face the fact that a wheelchair was going to help me and that I needed it and that a wheelchair should be my friend and not something to be embarrassed of. I remember crying the first time I used that wheelchair in Disney World. I remember being so embarrassed, but now it just helps me. And I remember getting out of the wheelchair afterwards and people staring at me like as if to say, what? She was in a wheelchair now she can walk? Has this person just been healed? And essentially not everyone in a wheelchair can't walk. And that's something that I don't think people consider when they see someone in a wheelchair. It doesn't mean they can't walk. It just means they need it for if they're too tired or they're in too much pain to walk. But it doesn't mean that they can't walk altogether. So anyway, now I have my own wheelchair at home. My sister has just got one as well. 
and it is just so useful for when I go out on trips with my family or with friends when I know there's going to be a lot of walking involved and I personally can't do that anymore so that's actually saved me and it's been a way for me to still be able to socialize with my friends and to not miss out on big opportunities don't get me wrong there are some opportunities where I can't take a wheelchair therefore I can't go or we have to make adjustments as a friend group or as a family when we make plans but on the whole a wheelchair has actually really helped me and even if I'm not struggling right at the beginning of the day a wheelchair has really helped me kind of conserve my energy for later on so say I'm struggling walking in the morning and I'm sat in the wheelchair all afternoon just can't move my muscles I'm just too weak I'm in too much pain I would not enjoy the rest of the day so I think using a wheelchair right from the beginning of the day can help me then conserve my energy for later on in the day and I can use that energy a bit more emotionally and mentally when I socialise so at least then I don't need to focus on the fact that I have painful muscles. I think I've covered a lot of my main symptoms with this condition. I will probably do another episode eventually maybe talking a bit more about my experiences with this condition and maybe explain some more symptoms but I think I've covered the main symptoms that affect me right now in my life so I think I might leave it there for today's episode obviously I will keep you guys updated on this journey and I love this podcast as a way to kind of keep track of my symptoms because obviously my symptoms will change all the time So this is actually a great way to keep track and to update people about my condition as well as educate people and make other people who might have the same condition as me feel like they're less alone in this. So with that being said, I have really enjoyed recording my first episode. I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to it. I know that it's probably not the most exciting episode just because I was giving you guys my backstory basically. But I hope that you guys will stick around for what's to come because I've got some really exciting stuff coming up. I really can't wait for you guys to hear the amazing stories that I've got planned for you, whether that be from my perspective or from someone else that I'm getting onto this podcast. It would mean so much if you guys pressed follow if you listen to this on Spotify and press the little bell next to it so you know when my next episode is out. And please feel free to ask me any questions on Instagram or Twitter at Keris Davidge. I might do a Q&A episode at some point and it will be great to kind of talk a bit more about what you guys want to hear as well. Thank you guys so much for listening. I've really enjoyed hanging out with you guys today and processing what's happened over the last few years and document it into this little episode. This doesn't really cover everything but I think it's been a really good start to basically know where I can go from here. Thank you for all the love and support that you've shown me so far on social media and I will see you guys very soon in the next episode. Bye!